stronger. You the guys. arsonist had oddly shaped feet. <laughs> what? <laughs> Unique New York. Unique New York. Oh my God! This is what I live. Is with. this is this what is this what this goes on? This is what on it's like on a daily basis. House, okay. <laughs> this is what it's like living in our house. <laughs> Welcome to the Vancouver College Podcast, where we discuss the VC community and our journey to becoming better men. We are your hosts, Clark Cinco and David D. Today, we'll be continuing our series of Minds Behind the Madness, where we explore the lives of the teachers and administrators behind the scenes of VC and what motivates them. Today, we have the two teachers of Mr. and Mrs. Burnett. Yeah, um, Coach Burnett, um, aka not the first interview and wondering why. Oh. <laughs> And uh, I am Mrs. Pro Burnett. Sometimes they know me as APB. APB? Can we get the context on that one? Andrea Pro Burnett. You know what? I think I should have figured that one out quite quickly. <laughs> In retrospect. <laughs> um, all right, so let's just get started. Uh, first question uh, How did you both end up teaching here at VC? Um, I was the first one that was hired here in um, 1999. And at that point, Mrs. Burnett had already started pursuing a career in education. Um, later that year, she did some substitute teaching here, and she had made the decision at that point that education was going to be her career. Um, they did not hire her the following year, however, so she actually spent um, most of that first year and all of the next year either subbing or eventually full-time teaching at a school that we won't mention. STM. Mm, STM. Understandable. Yes. And, yeah. then, uh, and then I made my way back here. Brother Murphy called me up and said, I have a job and I'd like you to take it. And uh, so I came back here in the fall of 2001. So yes, I did do a sick leave in the um, for a teacher. I took over all the religion 12 classes in June, May, June of uh, 2000. 2000 yeah. yeah, and then I came back in uh, fall 2001. Okay. Full time, and I've been here ever since. Wow. So, uh, if I may ask, you started in 1999. When did you take over the football team? Um, it was kind of a, a process of three years because the head coach at the time when I arrived was dealing with some health issues. So, I mm. was the head coach in the 2000 season. And then he returned for one more year in 2001, and I was an assistant on the varsity team. And then in 2002, he left the school and took a break from coaching. And then I've been head coach ever since then. Oh, wow. That's actually been a really, really long time with you here. Yeah. Longer yeah. than you've been alive. Yes. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> so within that whole time period of 22 years, mm -hmm. what's changed the most and what hasn't changed the most? What would you like to see coming back, if anything? You know what's changed a lot? Um, I feel, especially um, about the last six or eight years, um, more people associated with the school for a long time, whether they're teachers who were on staff or whether they're, um, let's say, parents who are around frequently. People associated with the school always used to talk about the old VC. And back in the day, the old VC. And yeah, the school has changed. Um, but I noticed that people seem to be more at peace with it. I noticed that people seem to accept 
um, like new buildings because there's always resistance to change. Yeah. And it seems like I hear fewer people uh, that are, you know, woofing about like, hey, in my day when I was here, um, mm -hmm. I think people feel actually excited about the, the I, I don't mean to sound like corporate, but the next <laughs> century. Um, I think they see a lot of change and they're, they're happy to see it. And um, that's the, the, the change that I notice is actually that. It's the attitude of a lot of uh, alumni and people closely associated with the school. I, I would I would mirror that. I think um, I think that the history and tradition of Vancouver College should be definitely embraced and held on to. But um, growth and change is good, and all change has some loss. And and sometimes you know even when when the old building went down, it was actually uh, pretty sad in some ways because we had spent a significant number of our adult years going into that building every day. And, and the memories in there and, and the people and the people who had come and gone. And, and I think it was, it was hard. That, that was a little hard to let go of that. And, you know, the old cafeteria and all the memories we had there. So I think that that was, um, you know, it's, it was hard to l let go of that. But I think moving forward, there's so much optimism. And, and, you know, you say, like, well, what's changed and what's different? You know, people are people. And people, you know, whether 20 years ago or now, people are still dealing with the same things and, and have yeah. the same hopes and dreams and want to be successful and deal with loss and deal with pain and joy. And so those, those are universal things. And I think those transcend time and buildings. And, yeah. and so people are people and, and kids are kids. And it's about like, really, it sounds corny, but I think it's about the relationships and, and these enduring and what's been cool for us is, you know, we go to people's weddings and, and we see their kids and, you know, so yeah, that time is a long time, but in that time, you kind of, I, I think it's it's pretty cool to see the seeds you plant and, and where that goes and and how people change and grow and you're just a part of their life at a certain point. In the 22 years that you've been here, surely there's been these really weird, like interesting stories that come from teaching and whatnot. Are there any like stories that you'd say, oh, I'll always remember this? Oh. Oh yeah. There's we used to go, we used to have pretty hundreds. good competitions too, because I was <laughs> yeah. in the middle school, right? And um, it actually was Mr. Esau's year, it was a very competitive group, oh, very no. competitive group. And we would have, I remember we were doing a food drive like we're doing this week, and one kid collected money and he went and bought like, I don't know, like 700, you know, little those soups, like those ramen noodle soups, just so yeah. we could win the food, you know, the food contest, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you know, different fun things happen over the years for sure. And, uh, you know, every homeroom is kind of its own memorable, right? It's hard yeah. to say yeah. one over the other. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't have like a story, you know, like remember the time that moose walked right into class? <laughs> like it's, it's more just like the collective of similar to what Mrs. Burnett was saying about the personalities and the people, yeah. the time you spend with them. Coaching-wise, um, that gets intensified, especially coaching varsity football and working out with them year-round and in the summer. Um, so each season becomes its own story. And um, I can't pluck out one, right? There's, um, there's too many, and it's, it's, like a, it's like an ongoing chapter of a book, and the book's not complete, so yes, yes. I'm still writing. <laughs> All right. With, with all due respect, I, I'd like to argue that every single time I went to class and heard you slamming the wall, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yelling about something mid math class, those experiences may disagree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Well, you got to get people's attention somehow. Well, yeah. That's a good point. That's and, a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the stories actually are the stories like that you heard, right? Like, the stories are. Um, the, the stories that are an annual part of class, things that I share from, you know, growing up, things I tell grade nine boys when I was in grade nine. And um, I think that's, that's the part of the life of teaching um, that keeps me enthusiastic. Hmm. You're teachers. You're, you're the ones teaching all us young kids what it is and how to live life and what we're you're also supposed to teach us at school but what have you as teachers learned it's a tough question um I, more things related to um our own growth and character for me mm -hmm. especially um i talk with uh alumni sometimes boys that i coached a lot and occasionally like the other day mm -hmm. i got a call about a um job reference and the job reference was for a former player who graduated four years ago. The caller who was phoning me to ask about the reference was also a VC alum that I taught 19 years ago. And when he told me who he was, and I remembered, and he said, how you doing? You're still there? And I, and I said, yeah, and I'm a lot, I'm a lot more chill <laughs> than I used to be. So, yeah, the personal growth, right? That's what... I've learned um, different ways of delivering the message, different ways of impacting people, and um, different levels of thump and volume. <laughs> ha! <laughs> yeah, I, would, I would mirror that. I, I think that you know, while you're going through your own career, you're growing as a person, and you're going to change, and you're going to find things that work and, and didn't work, and what worked this time may not work next time, and you have to have a whole repertoire of, of possibilities of how you deal with things. And I think as you get older and you have your own kids too, you, you inevitably, you pick some things up along the way and, and you may, you know, it, it might op even open your heart a bit too because I think you, you become maybe a bit more um, empathetic or you, you just grow as a person, right? Mm. If you're, if you're, as you're getting older, hopefully you're growing as a person, but you, you see things maybe through a different lens too when you become a parent. And you think, how would I want this for my son, or what would I expect yeah, yeah. from my son or my daughter? And I think that that's in a, that's the nice part about being somewhere for a, a long time is you can see that growth in yourself, right? By staying somewhere long enough, there is that advantage to see how you have grown, yeah. um, because you kind of gave it a chance and you work through things, and you're never going to get to the end where you say, I'm done as yeah. a growing yeah. as a person or a professional. Right. But it does give you that reflective piece, I think. Yeah. Not I, I feel like if I would have I, I mean, I wouldn't have left. I've never wanted to leave. But if I would have left, I feel like sometimes I would have had to have reestablished an identity as opposed to just being what comes naturally. Yeah. And I, if I would have gone to another school, then I would assume it would have been as a football coach and I would have been forced to fit into certain expectations about what that personality is like and I might have even subscribed to some of those and tried to mm. prove that I am that person to people uh, as opposed to what happens here year after year which is just um, natural growth. Hmm. What are some challenges that you face with being a teacher as well as say running the, fo the football team or helping out with the senior school? As well as being a parent if I'm correct? 
Yeah, I think it's it's a tough balance, right? Like a, in my role in campus ministry, you know, you know, my kids, the, when I went to Peru and doing all the stuff we do, my stuff probably in some ways the kids don't like as much because it actually removes me from the family. They can't come on encounter and they can't come, you know, they didn't come oh. to Peru, right? So they, they, they didn't like that as much when they were little, that you're going away for four days or you're going away for five days. Whereas I think with football... Um, having us both be part of it, they, we really integrated them into what we do. Wow. And I think that's a key. If you're going to be involved in anything, especially something that you're passionate about that is, you know, for the betterment of others, because, you know, I don't want to call it volunteerism, but in some ways, like it, it's a giving of yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to incorporate your family into that um, for it to be, I think, really successful for your family. And so we've been able to do that pretty well i mean Maya would never oh, do it now yeah, but she did no. sing the national anthem at a multiple yeah a varsity football games jv games and it was quite beautiful uh, she won't do it now but uh, and she'd be mortified when she hears this but um y- you know selling stuff at the concession or helping with this and you know keon being part of it if you're go do something with your family that you're passionate about and it's about serving and helping others when you when you do it as a group or a whole i think that's what makes it sustainable it also helps when you win a lot well, yes. <laughs> if we, if we were, good point. If we, if we were losing all the we time, bombing, the kids would we were, say, you yeah. stuck, we're not going <laughs> we were anymore. If we and we stunk, then the kids probably wouldn't no, be excited. No, but it, it's true. I think we've, we've said that many times, right? It's about incorporating your family and yes, of course. what you do. And okay, yeah, it was a joke. Yeah, okay. But winning does. Winning it was a joke, kind of. But it's of, kind, kind of not of, a joke. No, but yeah, we have, I've, been, I've been very intentional, and I'm blessed to have uh, a wife that allows me to coach and never complains about the commitment. And I'm blessed to have kids that have been flexible and, and found a way to fit into the program at some point, whether it was, you know, just on game days or, you know, Keon ever since he's been in elementary school, hanging out after school and watching practice or whatever. Um, that's been a blessing that it has not been a wedge in our family. It's been a unifier. Mm. So you talk a lot, a lot about family. May I ask, I don't know you two very personally. How many children do you have? Two. Two, uh, one boy and one girl, right? Yep. yep. Uh, how old are they? Uh, grade nine and grade seven. Grade nine. Oh, may I ask your opinions on a subject such as such as adoption? Oh yeah. Well, I can. You can have me into your class. It's a free. It's freebie. I've been into uh, Mr. <laughs> Tresco's class. Um, obviously, our family came about through adoption. So, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing that uh, our family is what it is. Mm. If it wasn't for adoption, we wouldn't we wouldn't uh, be the parents to our kids, and I think if that's there's no better testimony to the adoption yeah. than that. Of course, yeah. of course. We're gonna do a little okay. segment we on the show okay. we call overrated or underrated, Ooh. Okay. where we give you a certain idea, <laughs> and you have to tell us uh, if you think it's overrated or underrated. Okay. <laughs> Tom Brady. <sighs> See, there it is. Tom Brady's. <laughs> Um, he's probably underrated, but yeah, uh, he's definitely not overrated. Yeah. I, I, can he be rated? Is he properly rated? I think. That's a I, I always wonder if Tom Brady played in the seventies, eighties, and early nineties before social media, before the total saturation of sports coverage. If he would have the same amount of animosity and the same amount mm. of people that like. Um, despise him. him. Yeah, 
Um, I think if it was a different era, then he would probably be held with a higher level of just pure reverence and less um, venom. Yeah. yeah. I'd agree with that. I have no problem with him. Hmm. I'm, I'm not necessarily a fan, but I... Can't criticize the greatness. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that's a fair point. So uh, what do you think about missions collections and general way that it's done, where it's like, you're also kind of getting forced into it, in a way. With all due respect, with all due respect. Like the, the religious so overrated, teacher. underrated, that's what you want to Mis- know about this. Missions collections are, I'd say underrated in terms of the ability to change somebody's life i think we could do even more i think we could do even better with minimal impact on our own lives Mm. good point i agree uh how about your opinions on uh sharing a workplace with (laughs) sharing a workplace with your spouse um yeah, it depends. <laughs> oh, no. It can be yeah. overrated or... No, I mean, the cool thing is, um, you know, you do get to see your spouse. But I think the benefit yeah. to having the three schools is we actually can choose not to see each other all day. We don't or see we each can other choose that much two. the day. So it depends, right? You yeah. can choose to or choose not to. We which rarely think... eat lunch together. We don't cross paths in the hallway during the day. There's yeah. some days where, truthfully... And probably more than half of the days, we don't even see each other during the day. And then you might leave and go home, and then I'm home later. Yeah. We, we may have to make a point of seeing each other. Yeah. Uh, it's not for everybody, and it's something you have to grow and figure out. Um, it's it's not probably for... overrated. Huh, really? Yeah, because it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Right? And if we, it's like... not overrated for us, but I think, it's over... yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people would have a hard time doing it. I don't know if you could do it if you were married, say, 20 years and tried it later. Or maybe you could. I don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. You think it helps with the fact that both of you are in separate buildings? Yeah, but we've been in the same building before. We we've have. been in the oh, same really? faculty It helps? Before. No, it just... Uh, you have to figure it out. You know, ask the Achilles. Ask the Achilles. I think what you should do is do a follow-up, of a, a do another interview with the Achilles. <laughs> write that down, write that down. The Achilles have been here longer than yeah. us. Mr. will say under and Mrs. Achille will definitely, definitely say, say over. over. That's right. Don't, Yo, t- don't publish this yeah. until we have that. I want to see. Uh, um, there was one more. Yeah. I guess one more. Um, fantasy football. Overrated. Yeah, overrated. I don't play Oh, it. my goodness. All I, right. I have no interest in it. Mostly because I don't... I, like, I, I, I'm really passionate about You're the NFL. Purist. But I'm a purist, and I, <laughs> I, not, I don't support that. Yeah. Right. We, don't, we don't bet on sports. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. Sports, that's fair. So there you go. All right. Do you find anything like particularly bad with betting on sports, or may I ask um, you like no, your your I, opinion I, on it? I'll your make, opinion I'll on make, it? I'll make a lightweight bet occasionally about. Yeah, sports. of course. Yeah. Um, I just I what bothers me is um, people that can only talk about their fantasy success or their this player is a bum. I got to get rid of this guy, and they don't really even understand the game, or they're uh. not there. They're not watching on Sunday to appreciate the game or how well a team's playing or, wow, this team's struggling, and why is that happening? All they care about is, oh, a guy had 10 receptions and got me two touchdowns. And it, uh, it's almost like a, a self – it is a self-serving – Commodity. Well, yeah, and, like, when were spectator sports ever designed to make a person feel so good about themselves? Mm, yeah, like, that's a fair point. It turned like, – it turned. Such, yeah. Is society so hurting <laughs> – 
for validation that they need to get validation from, <laughs> from it, it looks that way sometimes. Yeah, it turns the whole of the sport into just like a numbers game, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it, I see it. College football? It's, Opinion, it's whatever you want. Definitely quite underrated. Frankly. College football is incredible. Um, in Canada, it's, it's completely underrated and it really frustrates me um, that especially alumni of schools in the West. Now, in Ontario, it's different at some schools. Uh, but I just, for the life of me, I do not understand how UBC football or SFU football isn't packed with thousands and thousands of fans for every home game. Because those are the only, you know, essentially two universities in town. And you have alumni from thousands those schools all over the place. How do you not go watch your school? Yeah, like if we, we I mean, we've driven and obviously we go back to Eastern, we don't go often to Eastern games, but... Um, if we lived within a two-hour shot, we'd be at probably every Saturday yeah, game, time. right? Okay. It's it just uh, it, maybe it's just not part of the culture, but it's unfortunate because the positive experience that those former athletes got, hopefully, they would continue passing on. I know many of them do. We know many of them are very active in, in helping and fundraising and promoting. Um, but I think you know, which is why we do such you know we try so hard to have a really good game day experience here because our alumni enjoy coming back. And I think it builds a sense of community that's important yeah. that people want. People are looking for a community. Look during mm -hmm. COVID, right? Yeah. So hopefully, when definitely. this is all over, we'll pack the stands and yeah. give them that experience. Mm -hmm. Thank you both for coming. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, the, the Burnets. One of the one of the most well known here, actually. Thank you for listening to this episode of Minds Behind the Madness. If you want to see more, then make sure to subscribe to our podcast as well as look for new episodes wherever you can find them. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else. Thank you.